Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And we have such an amazing guest today. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so excited for this episode. This is a spicy episode. Spicy. Also, can I talk to you about something, Brian? What's up? Everyone that's listening to the podcast, they can see in the title who the guest is. Uh-huh. Why do we always act like it's a surprise? We're always like, guess who it's going to be? <laughs> it's like they clicked on it. Are we stupid? Am I stupid? I've been doing How many episodes is this? I'm finally realizing. I'm just realizing They this already now. know. We're like, ooh, don't, don't <laughs> talk in the intro. It's a big surprise. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Well, actually, this, well, well, uh, true, true. However, this episode, it's actually you don't is know. a surprise and it will stay a surprise as you know because you <laughs> looked at the title it's our first ever anonymous guest yes but before we get to them let's do our patreon shout outs so listeners if you like the podcast obviously well this is top of mind thank you everyone who came out to the live show last night it was it so was great so fucking fun thank you so much but if you want to support in other ways, instead of going to our live show, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Yeah. Young Me and I offer different sub- subscription tiers with different benefits. But any donation amount gets you a shout out on the podcast where Young Me and I try to figure out what a positive affirmation is. <laughs> I'm still, I refuse to Google it. I'm just, I'm just going with my gut. Um, without further ado, our first shout out for this episode goes out to Janet Lowe. Janet Lowe, you you know what you want to get at Chipotle. You do not take, you just order, and that's why everybody respects and loves you. Janet Lowe, you've been doing so great in life. Get the extra guac at Chipotle. You deserve it. You deserve it. I know it's extra, that meme. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I know guac gets extra. Sorry, next. Next, Jay Osaki. Jay Osaki, I just feel like this person just smells very good it's my psychic vibe smells amazing keep smelling amazing jay osaki keep it up next shout out cello carpenter price you just have amazing vibes i can feel it you're like a stoner white per- uh, for some reason i think that like uh, <laughs> grew up in a commune you know like love spirituality but not in an annoying way i was about to say that's cool actually way. bad vibes but no, exactly. you, you, you saved it all it's the opposite <laughs> of the good vibes only dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're the opposite of whatever young me just described <laughs> uh thank you for donating our next shout out goes out to miyuki stewart i think that miyuki is um extremely um good at nails doing nails is that a po- it's not a positive are you okay brian <coughs> brian's dying do you have covid i'm just kidding no <laughs> last time i coughed brian was like do you have covid i think that this person's really good at doing nails is that a, is that a racist stereotype mm, no good i don't at, think so good at anything like little like beady that is so racist i feel like that's <laughs> an asian stereotype like makes beautiful beaded no Miyuki, i think you're very good at crafts and you make tremendous sentimental gifts that all of your friends uh, appreciate very much and they love you and they love you our next shout out goes out to alex kim you already have a great sense of confidence but keep going because there are people (laughs) around you who you may not even realize look up to you 
and you are an inspiration in your friend group. So keep that confidence going. Yeah. Next shout out goes out to Michelle Ching. Michelle, you do not have imposter syndrome. <laughs> Next one goes to Minje. Minje, I'm getting you're an actor. <gasps> yeah. Is that a positive affirmation or? Well, cursed? you're an, well, Minje. Next audition you go on, you're gonna book. You're a good actor. You're gonna book. We're to you're gonna book your next audition. That's the positive affirmation. Yes, it's gonna happen. Next shout out goes out to Phil Yu. Oh or, god, oh, yeah, we, gonna, we, oh. we know we know Phil Yu. Phil, yeah. Phil Yu. He's the Twitter account Angry Asian Man. Oh, yeah. wow! Doing the work. Doing the work. Yeah. Thank you for following me back on Twitter. <laughs> That's the positive affirmation. <laughs> no, this is the positive affirmation. You were doing the work from an OG doing the work from OG. way back when. You you were putting a spotlight on issues when people truly didn't give a fuck. Truly did not give one fuck about Asians. And now they give maybe one fuck. Maybe <laughs> one, okay? Phil, you, thank you for supporting the pod. Last shout out for this episode goes to Bianca Nicole Elena Malia. Well, that's like uh, that's like the nine hottest names on planet Earth. This person is fucking. You're so hot. Babe alert. You you want to be addressed by your four names, and you know what? You're hot enough to deserve it. You're the person that walks into the uh, coffee shop and like the barista's like, "Yes, hello." Everyone just like you know, like when someone hot walks into a coffee shop, yeah. And all everyone just like looks away because they're just like you just destroy anyone's self esteem that walks past you. They're just like, oh, but you're uh, so kind uh, and you don't mean to. Yeah, (laughs) Bianca's so hot that she just thinks everyone in the world is an asshole because no one will make eye contact because they're terrified. Yeah, but Bianca, thank you, thank you for supporting the podcast. And once again, listeners, if you like the podcast. Please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And we're going to introduce our guest this week. This is really exciting. This is a feeling Asian first. Our guest requested to be anonymous. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. but, uh, but. Inspi- partially inspired by from our live show, uh, we are going to refer to our guest this week by the most ABG name Tiffany Tran. Tiffany Tran. We had we had our live show last night, and one of the questions we asked the audience was, "What's the most ABG name?" And they came up with Tiffany Tran. So. Yes, and so it's a feeling Asian first anonymous guest. However, we have a spicy episode this week. I I'm uh, anticipating that this is going to be an extremely popular episode because the topic that Tiffany Tran is here to talk about is one. Personally, as somebody that has a vagina and know a lot of people that have vaginas, I know that this is a huge topic for us. Um, it's anorgasmia. Anorgasmia, the inability to reach orgasm, which Tiffany has struggled with, and she's here to talk about it today. And yes. I'm so excited because I feel like I have a little bit of a history with this, oh. which I don't even think I've told you about. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, because you know me as a freaky fucking. For, I don't know what freak. <laughs> I got really embarrassed in the middle of saying that. <laughs> so, but. listeners, give your ears to Tiffany Tran. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here to talk not only about orgasms, but primarily about pleasure, which I think should be the focus of our sexual experiences. Okay, so I met Tiffany um, because you are a friend of Brian. We can say that much, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian was telling me your story and then we met 
and talked about it over dinner and was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was really excited to do this episode. Uh, but the other thing that I thought was so interesting about you is that you are you are like very smart. And like whenever you've sort of dealt with this issue by doing like lots of research and like looking into it. So you know so much about it. Yeah, definitely. I actually, maybe this is a good time to maybe correct the definition of anorgasmia. Mm -hmm. So specifically, anorgasmia is not the inability to have orgasm, but having anxiety that you've never experienced one. So it's Mm. about this stress surrounding it. Um, There's this sex therapist named Vanessa Marin, who actually says that the correct if we were to kind of reframe this term, it might be pre-orgasmia because Mm -hmm. there is zero scientific evidence that women are unable to have orgasm, even if they haven't. So anorgasmia is really about the the stress or like tension behind it. Oh, so there is no such thing or there's no evidence to say that there's somebody out there that's unable to have an orgasm. Exactly, yeah. Ah, okay, fascinating. See, that's the kind of... Discussion we're going to have, me being stupid and being corrected. (laughs) But before we dive into orgasms and all that come with it. All that come with it. Oh my God. (laughs) Brian, how are you feeling? Uh, I am feeling very proud of us because we just had our live show yesterday and uh, it was amazing. I think it was our best show yet. And it, I, I love tracking the progress and improvements that we've made to the show since the first one that we did three months ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just feeling very grateful that we were able to sell it out. And it was an amazing show. And I'm also feeling relieved because uh, these past two weeks have been very stressful for me. Mm. Crazy stressful. You've been <laughs> struggling, man. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that Brian has been struggling. I've been struggling. Anyways, how are you feeling, young me? Um, how am I feeling? Well, first of all, I got my son a Tamagotchi and he <laughs> makes me take care of it. So, and he's going to be so devastated if it dies. So, if you hear any beeping, it's me feeding the Tamagotchi everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's not professional, but he will be so upset. I got it to the lips part, you know, when the lips came out, so it's almost fully grown. Come oh on. Oh my god. Listeners, <sighs> I don't think I've ever seen young me so on top of anything in my entire life Do you because hear this? 45 minutes ago it beeped in her ba- in her backpack and she was like oh my fucking god where is it stop the tamagotchi i need to feed it right now my son's going to be devastated if it dies <laughs> um so how am i feeling so i am feeling you know what i'm feeling like weirdly so on top of everything i don't know if you noticed Brian but like i just like have been able to get up and do a lot of work this week. Yeah. Um, waking up early. I've been, you know, drinking enough water every day. Just been really healthy. Damn. Making nice lunches for my son. Um, you know, our show went really well. Yeah. And I was so excited. I don't see. So this is like we were talking about this on the Patreon a little bit. Like the show is so good. I know it sounds so fucking cringe for me to say that but the show is like good it's a good show yeah and like because we go to a lot of comedy shows obviously as comedians right i've never heard an audience laugh like that they like are shitting their pants laughing (laughs) because it's just like a fun concept yeah one of the one of the audience members told me that our show feels very mature oh nice okay i was like 
Nice. That's a very refined compliment to give to a comedian at their comedy I, show. I like how, how I take it as everyone's laughing. No one gives a shit. I'm just telling dick jokes. And Brian's takeaway is we are immature. No, no. <laughs> I, she said mature as in like you can tell a lot of effort and planning went into it. Wait, it's, it feels mature or immature? Mature. Oh, I thought you said somebody said it feels really immature. No, 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 no. They said mature. Oh, okay, like you can okay. tell like a lot of effort and planning went into this. Nice. Oh, yeah. like it's matured from the last time. No, last first time there. I'm just hearing everything as bad. I know. Like, <laughs> what is she trying to say, Brian? Did she say that we're bad? She said that we're stupid. Is that what she said? <laughs> I can't take a compliment. I'm going to kill myself. No, but like, yeah, the show is like very good. And I'm like, I've, you know, like. Like I said, I saw a lot of comedy shows. It's just like a different format. You don't see shows where like, it's kind of like, you know, like the reason why I dislike stand up these days is because it almost feels like you go and like the performer has no inherent need to make the audience happy. They're just up there talking mm. about themselves mm. and they don't give a shit if it's funny or not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. feels very, there's this weird, I don't know, this like, thing that happened in stand-up recently where i don't think the comedians give a fuck if they're funny do you know what i mean <laughs> i mean we witnessed that with dave Chappelle and yeah we, <laughs> no but not I even know. dave Chappelle. i, I, I like, saw the fun I, these comedians <laughs> i saw the funniest tweet with the comedian tim heidecker he just yeah. retweeted dave Chappelle made this like new video on his instagram addressing the backlash he received from his recent special yeah and there's like zero laughs and it's just him explaining and tim heidecker retweeted and he goes like funny stuff <laughs> exclamation point <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I, I feel like stand-up is because we watch so much stand-up right i'm just like looking at these people and they're just like rich white kids that live in brooklyn get up and be like i i'm hot i'm hot like that's my act oots and i'm like okay <laughs> yes you're attractive what is the fucking did you think that people were gonna laugh at this and i feel like our show the entirety of our show is just about trying to make some people laugh you know oh, what i mean uh, yeah uh, two like, asians that are hot and asian yeah and, I, <laughs> and i'm like in my in my mind as a comedian i'm there's not one second that goes by where i'm like i have to do something to try to make somebody laugh mm. and like that's like my job and i feel like for some fucking weird reason, most stand-up comedians like have fucking forgotten that recently. They're just like, there's a microphone. I'm going to fucking talk about myself. I mean, the, not but gonna, the, the art form is inherently that, though. I know, but at least back in the day, they were funny. At least Chappelle yeah. used to be funny. I, I don't understand. know if people remember. Well, 20 I years ago, he was funny. For comedians in society have been given this like... Our, our opinions have been treated as too important for whatever yeah. reason in, in society. So, you know, it's I like, it it's so self-serious now. And it's like, let me, let me see what this comedian thinks about this incredibly nuanced and difficult issue. It's like, we're the last people you should be t listening to. The last thing I want develop, is for anyone do to some critical take thinking my on your opinion own, seriously. Develop your own opinion and then go see a comedian. Please don't listen to my opinions. <laughs> Right. Uh, anyway, so I was just like, I'm just really proud of us. And I feel like it almost feels like because the show's so funny, it's like we're giving back to the community in that way. I think it's great. And I think it's great. I feel like it's healing and it makes me feel really good. And I'm really proud of us, too. I'm proud of us, too. Anyway, that's how we feel. How are you feeling, Tiffany? <laughs> uh, before I answer this, can I just make one note? So yeah. if you hear 
the beeping, it's Youngmi's Tamagotchi. But if you hear yeah. typing, it's because I'm a nerd and I have notes and I'll be like adding things to it or finding throughout this recording. So I'm sorry I, if you can hear it on the audio. Let's go. Um, I love us. I love our personalities. I'm like, I have a t- beeping Tamagotchi. <laughs> Tiffany is just on her computer researching. I just want to give true facts. Yeah, so yes. I have references. This is um, how am you. I feeling? I'm actually feeling really horny, which I know Ooh. the topic of this episode is like sex and pleasure, but this is an important revelation for me because just to drop more sex facts throughout this thing, there's this therapist, sex researcher therapist named Emily Nagoski. Uh-huh. She wrote this book called Come As You Are and specified that there are like two types of desire, mm-hmm. spontaneous desire and responsive desire. Mm. And because I now I understand I have responsive desire, which means it's very much based on context. Mm. I always kind of felt bad back in the day when I wasn't feeling like super horny out of the blue or something, mm-hmm. which is tri- typically attributed not to give gender stereotypes, but to men. Spontaneous desire, like mm. you get horny quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh. But because I'm seeing this new person and we have like great chemistry, I've been feeling like horny all the time lately. And so it's, you have a lot more a spontaneous feeling. desire. I think it's still responsive though, because let's say we were to break up, then mm-hmm. I don't actually know if I would feel that horny anymore. <laughs> mm. Oh, wow, that's really interesting about the responsive. I, I'm, I'm much, I'm like you, Tiffany, where I'm more responsive than spontaneous. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. really, oh, for sure. Because everything was like, con- it's a lot, for, a lot. Oftentimes for me, it's like context driven. Like, I'm going Absolutely. on this, I'm going on this date, and there oh. is the prospect of sex. Like, I never could under like you know. Sometimes you just go to a party, and then suddenly people are like, I'm just suddenly so fucking horny right now. Yeah, that, that never really happened. <laughs> that never really happened to me. Wait, so you would like never... suddenly you're just horny Ooh, all of a sudden? Yeah. yeah, you know, like when you were single, you yeah. would never be like, I'm horny. I'm gonna go called this person or go out and try to get laid you would know that wouldn't happen to you that would feel but that feels responsive though because it's like that's spontaneous is that spontaneous i don't know it's like i'm horny like when i was single i'd be like i'm horny i'm gonna call this person like is that spontaneous right well i also think it's important to note that it's not really a binary like most people have a mix of both but you typically Mm -hmm. lean more towards one side or the other So I don't know if there was like a horny phase, Brian, where you wanted to reach out to these people. So maybe it was a mix of both. Mm. Um, But I, yeah, maybe it seems like Brian and I lean towards the responsive side and Youngmi leans towards the spontaneous side. Everything is a gradation. Right, right. I mean, I definitely also have felt the responsive thing. Like when you're, you know, like sleeping with somebody that you like and like you're thinking about them and that makes you horny. That would be responsive, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm so I'm so excited for you that you're feeling horny. Yeah. Whoa. Congrats. (laughs) So what was so the first time actually when I first met you, that was before you had your first orgasm. Is that correct? And that was only a few months ago. Yeah. And so so can can you say your age just so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I'm thirty. And you just had your first orgasm in your life, include not including masturbating, any any kind of or- orgasm. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, this is interesting too because um, sorry to drop all these reference these other therapists. So Vanessa Marin, that person. 
Yeah. Um, was basically saying like, as you're learning to ma- or to have orgasms, it's kind of like surfing. Like in mm. the when you be- start learning how to surf, you can like catch waves, but they're really, really small. Maybe so small that it feels like you're just skimming the water. Right. But as you practice and your body like recognizes these sensations, then the waves can get bigger and more oh. noticeable. Right. So that's why like to say first, I don't know, it's kind of unclear, but mm. maybe the first recognizable one where I was like, oh, okay, this is like a big physical reaction that yeah. seems to point towards whatever. Yeah. Okay. So that was this year as right. a 30 year old. So this year you're starting to ride bigger waves. The big kahunas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it at that. Still practicing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad that you, uh, and I'm sure this is going to come up over and over again. I'm glad that you put it that way because sex for people who have like vaginas and women like in gen, I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to be inclusive and I'm fucking it up, <laughs> making people feel worse. Like, sex for people who have like, you know, like vaginal intercourse uh, is different than people with penises. And I think what you just said is important because I think a lot of people probably see, view orgasms and sex through the the male penis way, like, oh, we're going to have an orgasm like a man does. Yeah. But, um, you know, how vaginas work is different. And so it's like, like what you just described, right? You could have an orgasm and you might not even know. Right, exactly. Like Vanessa Marin also has a podcast called Pillow Talks. And one of them, she talks about how these are various signs you, where you might have had an orgasm, even if you're unaware of it for those who are trying to learn, because for men, it's like this explosive sensation. Mm -hmm. Whereas for, or I guess people with penises, whereas with people with vulvas, it's, much it can be much more subtle and Mm -hmm. it kind of ranges quite a bit it's much more bodily and contained Mm -hmm. um and there's also the ability to have multiple so it's really just about learning what the spectrum of these sensations are and i don't know if maybe putting names to it is useful maybe that's part of the anxiety thing so tiffany can you walk us through your orgasm journey because i mean has that always been prescient, like that you knew you were aware that you never had an orgasm or suddenly you turned a certain age and realized I have never had an orgasm. I'm going to deep dive. Like, what can you walk us through? Yeah, what your journey for sure. was like? So I was kind of a late bloomer. I didn't have sex till I was 21. Mm-hmm. And from then till now, I was always in like serially monogamous relationships. Right. So I only slept with like four or five people in that decade and they were always in a serious couple um but then i was aware of this but didn't really feel and every year for like a new year's resolution i would say like okay i'm gonna figure this out this year but then like i don't know you have a lot of momentum in the beginning and then you lose you get frustrated or disappointed and then you kind of let it lapse Mm -hmm. um and then even the intercourse i was having which I actually am not going to blame on my partner. I think it's both people really not, it's a learned thing. Hmm. But like the first person to go down on me wasn't until like two years ago. So I think I also didn't know like what to ask for in a relationship or what to like advocate for. Hmm. Um, And they've learned sex in their own way and it wasn't being asked for, or I don't know, maybe they're referencing porn or their other socialized experiences. So that they weren't really doing it on their, on their own initiative. But I guess in the past several years, as I was like approaching my late 20s, 
Mm-hmm. Then I started to feel like there was something wrong or like way more anxiety about it because I think when I was 29, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to turn 30 next month and I will have been trying to have an orgasm for a decade. Wow. And that brought <laughs> gave me a lot of like stress. But again, that's about like expectation and framing. And I think I was, I'm still trying to practice how to frame this in a healthy way for myself to kind mm. of remove that kind of shame and anxiety. Let's say between the ages of 21 till two or three years ago when you had a partner who would go down on you, were you like, were you ex- like, were you masturbating or experimenting with masturbation at all? Yeah. Like self, like to obtain orgasm well, that way? Totally. I feel like. In the beginning, I would focus on various forms of masturbation, like mm. getting every sex toy under the sun, trying CBD loop, uh, trying video porn or audio porn or ero- yeah. erotic like novels. And all of these things, they say like the biggest sex organ is your brain. It's not actually mm. like your genitals. Mm. So I think it was... Yeah, it's complicated, right? Like your mind and your body are not detached. And then when it, during the pandemic, I started doing more intentional, like quote unquote guided work. Mm. Like there's this What's online that? school called the Finishing School, mm-hmm. which is like a, huh. I think it's a 15 week online school. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I, mean, I love all these by puns. By Vanessa Marin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. By Vanessa Marin. Um, for pe- basically people who have never had orgasm. Wow. And the first month and a half are all mental exercises. Whoa. Um, I also like looked into wow. the recordings and teachings of Betty Dodson, who mm. recently passed away, but she was the first person to get like a PhD in women's masturbation. RIP um, to a real one, Betty Dodson. <laughs> Dodson. Dodson. Um, OMGS is like, yeah. OMGS is an online school that also focuses on like, developing a language and taxonomy around Mm. different types of sensations and pleasure to Uh. understand like the variants. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I saw a sex worker once, like I've tried a lot in the past several years. Love this about you so much. I I have a question before we get into your orgasm, because uh, you know, the larger orgasm, how you, how you said it during these Mm -hmm. years of like 21 to 20 to 30, um, because you said uh, a few minutes ago, it's not uh, you have these little waves, right? Did you mm-hmm. I have I have just two questions about this era. Did you have these little orgasms now that you're looking back and realizing that you did have them, these little orgasms? And then my other question is, which is very different. Um, what was like for like when you said the erotic novels for mm-hmm. me, um, you know, as ever since I was like a young preteen if I read something erotic I would get very aroused and I could orgasm through masturbation um what what, did you feel sexually aroused well yeah of course I feel like this was the tricky part and maybe something that we'll go into more later but a lot of this is about like re-socializing yourself Mm -hmm. um my current sex therapist talks about how the first thought you have is how you're taught to think and the second thought you have is how you're teaching yourself to think or teaching yourself to react so if i feel horny for example and i grew up in a religious background that instigated purity culture then i might feel my first reaction might to 
be to feel shame or to feel dirtiness around arousal. Right. Mm. But then my second thought on top of this is like trying to unpack that this was conditioned and that these things are perfectly healthy and just trying to retrain that pathway. Mm. Wow. So what was your, when you felt like arousal, what, what was your first thought? Like throughout your I think life. it was, I definitely remember various forms of masturbation when I was younger. Mm. It was always with like a pillow or some sort of like, like rubbing surface. But I also remember feeling a lot of guilt oh, when those okay. things would happen. And I also right. have very vivid memories of like, I don't, I think my, I was like really young and I had touched, not even masturbated, but just like touched my vulva. And my mom smelled my hand and she like hit my hand away and told me to go wash my hands. Like these mm. small memories have been starting to reemerge. Right. That's um, yeah. I right. know. And they're so minor, right? I think there's a lot of forms of like explicit and implicit shame. So even mm. not talking about sex in a household is yeah. considered shameful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a huge range. Wait, she smelled your hand? Yeah. Is that what you said? That's yeah. pretty that's pretty traumatizing. I know. <laughs> oh, and, and so then I guess the se- the second part or the first part of my question, I guess, did you do you looking back, do you think you had these little orgasms um that you just were unaware of? Well, it's interesting because when you look up a definition of an orgasm, it's about the release of energy, mm-hmm. like energy building and then being released. Mm. So it's tricky, right? Like I actually think in retrospect, I probably was, but again, they were so minor that I was confused by them. Mm. And then because they don't, they're not typically what you see in media or in porn, you disregard it because you think that orgasm is supposed to look and sound a certain way, mm. which I think is really, really toxic for a lot of young people as they now sex that is porn. Right. I think... You know, I, I'm sorry if I keep coming back to this topic, but I, I think it's so important and fascinating what you said about like the kinds of orgasms you have, you know, with a vulva and vagina is like uh, I because I wanted to talk about this with you because I didn't really have orgasms until I was like 22 or 23 years old, mm-hmm. which is and at that point I had been having sex since I was like 16. Right. So, I mean, that's not that much. But I mean, it is kind of a long time, you know, Um mm-hmm. And I think it, for me, it was like a lot of psychological stuff. Like mm. I thought I was having sex to for the uh, pleasure of my male partners, you know, exactly. at that point. Yeah. And so I didn't even, it wasn't even something that I was really exploring. Um, and then, and then after I had a, like a very large orgasm when I was like 22, 23, I, I, now I look back and I'm like, I did have like smaller orgasms, but I just, I didn't, because the big one was so big, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was the only kind of orgasm that I was, that I, that mm. was real. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely. So for those people who have pre-orgasmia, is it because they need, there's more to unpack when it comes to the second thought? Is that, does that make oh. sense? Mm. Or is that unrelated? Um, I kind of wonder if this is just, it's irregardless of sex, right? Like we're all trying to unlearn the things we've learned to a certain degree. Mm. And in this case, it happens to be specific about sex or just pleasure in general. Right. Um, I think with people with pre-orgasmia, there's like three primary things. Mm. The first is like psychological. Mm. The Mm. second is practice. Like when it's like learning a language, when you pick this up when you're young intuitively, Mm-hmm. then it becomes almost second nature to you. But when you're right. learning this as an adult, 
that hurdle is much bigger because now you have expectation. Oh, and wow. that expectation is like a huge pressure cooker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the third thing is the types of sex that cis women typically have with their straight male partners. Yep. <laughs> um, well, just no blame on them necessarily. Like I do think it's no. like a societal learning problem. Yeah, we all, uh, there's no like, you know, when we talk about feminism and we're like, oh, the patriarchy, we're not saying um, like Brian did it. We're say, saying that we all like learn the system, you know, exactly. and that's oh, for like, sure. and all women, you know, like all porn is like made for the most of not most porn, sorry, is made for the male gaze. So when when I watched it as a young younger girl i was just like not knowing that i was picking up the information that oh my role in sex is to make the man happy well i'm curious about what about the classes and the sex worker is by like diving into this research you're effectively like for me personally it might even put more expectation and weight on it because now i'm like thinking about it all the time exactly yes so i want to know like how I mean, you know, since we last spoke, like you, you had the big one, which I'm so proud of you. And I think it's amazing you did, but like, what was that all like? Like you're, you're researching and you're understanding yourself and like maybe perhaps pathologizing certain things, but mm-hmm. I'm, did it make it harder even at times be like, cause you could put a language to like why you were only experiencing pre-orgasmia. Totally. I think the big thing for me out of all the things I mentioned The finishing school I have like some major critiques with, but I will say it's the only thing that I read about that focused on a mindfulness practice. Mm. It's not about sex being devoid from life. It's about like feeling present translates to the bedroom. So for me, it was just about practicing embodiment. I know this Mm. starts to get into a certain like territory um but i do think of someone who's quite type a and like motivated and needs a lot of external validation suddenly having to like try to meditate try to dance without feeling stupid try Mm. to like really enjoy something without having it map onto some other like structure was really important for me and also giving yourself permission to be way more selfish Mm. because again it's about the performance thing yeah whoa so hard like, I would yeah. feel that, you know, reaching out to a sex worker is, it makes sense if you're a type A person because you're literally like penciling someone into yeah, a calendar. Yeah, yeah, but at the same does. time, it, that sounds so like, there's so much pressure because then now you're like, all right, I got to make the most out of this, like however much time you have with the sex worker. Yeah. It's like absolutely, the op- yeah. <laughs> and it was a terrible experience. <laughs> I want to. Well, I you told it. me about this, and I want to hear. Can you tell us? Can you tell the listeners yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, um, Because I so there's this. Yeah. There's an article in the Atlantic called "The Tyranny of the Female Orgasm Industrial Complex," okay. which basically mm-hmm. talks about what you're saying, Brian. Mm-hmm. Where because now like women's health is at the forefront of media, it's become an industry. And now Mm. there's like a million options and you try all of them and you're still left feeling like the expectation is too great, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I found out about this guy through that article. I'll use their name, Dr. M. Sure. Um, And I, they also like featured this guy on Slut Ever, that Vice like mini series. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, it was super awkward. I went to the Upper West Side. I this guy met me at a Starbucks. He was like this like fifty year old dude who like gave me a fist bump. Oh. <laughs> um, nice. He was like a nerdy programmer vibe. Right. We walked to his studio apartment, and again, responsive desire. Yeah. Was so turned off by the decor of his apartment. I'm I'm sorry. This is a thing, but instead of being specific or like asking me and having like an intake session he right. basically said like this is the process that happened and i was like mm. okay well you're the professional so it was like a massage paired with like like a full body massage including okay. vulva stimulation the first half i'm lying on my back and like he or lying on my stomach and he rubs my back a little yeah but it's not pressure i'm a massage snob so it was mm. more like rubbing or circulation yeah. there was no pressure <laughs> mm-hmm. And then within, like, five minutes, he starts, like, playing with my G-spot. Which, if you know this, you're not really supposed to penetrate the vagina until it's swollen. Until, like, the lips of the vulva are swollen. Mm -hmm. And that takes, like, at least 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a professional, quote-unquote. Right. I mean, yeah. He also had a hangnail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He had a hangnail, so I felt it, like, scratching me. Oh, God. (laughs) And I also am trying to practice how to speak up during the act, which I have a really hard time with. So I just kind of, like, kept my mouth shut the whole time, even if in my mind I was like, don't touch that yet, or, like, you're scratching me, or whatever. Mm. Mm. At a certain point, I started crying on the table, on the massage table, and I asked him to stop, and he was like, are you sure? There's 20 minutes left in the session, and I was like, this Dude, person yeah. yeah i like just along the lines of like what brian was saying sorry I, sorry to cut you off i just couldn't handle any more of the story i'm so I know, sorry I know. yeah it's like it sounds almost like borderline sexual assault i mean i know that you went there consensually but like yeah. the fact that it's like just not to like not to stereotype but just like if you read any fucking book about women and sex with women it's like every every fucking rule he's not listening to and he's like he sounds like some sort of like scammer that's just like got into this to like finger women you know what i mean but i kind of wonder i actually wonder that after the fact as well because there's a lot of massage parlors with happy endings for men but there's very few for women so I do think this is kind of like yeah. a huge hole in the market. Mm. But he's like um, uh, framing it like a doctor professional. You know what I mean? It was like he's like, oh, oh. Like, is well, he? Well, I like, guess like- when I said professional, I meant more like professional sex worker. But mm. I think okay. Dr. M is just like his moniker. Like right, right, right. Masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> because like if you know anything, like if you read like one Cosmo magazine from 1993, it tells yes. you like women need time to warm up. Your issues, Tiffany, remind me a lot about how Brian, how Brian had an issue in his sex yes. life. Because he talked about this on the podcast. Like he approached it like, I got to win, like perfect score. And then that would give him anxiety. And then that led to erectile dysfunction. Well, I was going to say part of my like journey was starting to tell friends about it mm-hmm. to kind of like release some shame. And one of the first friends I told was Brian. And during this talk... He was like, he didn't even bat an eye. He was like, it's fine. I have ED. (laughs) And then we were both like, oh, 
anorgasmy on women and ED in men kind of stems from the same source, which kind of is anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Right. both of you have the same issue, I feel like. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. The, it's just the curse of expectation. Right. Well, that's why I asked you, like, when you you know when you studied and did this research because i did the same with erectile dysfunction and it like i was now i had this language to sort of process and make things make sense to me but even when i was with sexual partners it would still like i i would so badly hope that would suddenly just be fixed and cured but instead i just have this like this vocabulary rattling in my brain but it was the same outcome of not obtaining an erection and mm-hmm. uh i'm curious for you like it sounds like okay you you did the work you studied you did these classes you you know you went to a sex worker and things were still not quite clicking for you when did things start turning around I don't want to frame it as like a before and after because I okay. do think it's an ongoing process. Mm. Sure. Right? Like I had two orgasms with two one-night stands, which mm. I'll rewind back to wow. in a second. But I have never given myself one mm. to this day. To this day. And, okay. And even wow. with the person that I'm with, we've had sex for what, two or three months now. And I've right. never had an orgasm with them, even if arguably mm. I care more about what this person more than these two random guys. Right. So oh. it it's very complicated. Like I'm still trying to figure that out too. Right. And I do think it's a journey. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, so it wasn't yeah. like one day you you unlocked it and now you're just orgasming all over the place. Yeah, it's no like, way. Not, it it's, wasn't like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that the number one thing I've taken away is it's when you think about wanting to have an orgasm, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. Ooh. I think mm-hmm. it has to be focusing on giving pleasure and receiving pleasure. And that yeah. in itself yeah. should feel great because right. why wouldn't you want to give someone pleasure yeah. for a long time or vice versa? Right. Um, yeah. But when it's like, I only want to give someone pleasure with the goal of them having an orgasm, then that's just pressure. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's or really stressful. vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's different because most of the partners I've been with, like, they associate orgasm with sex. Like, what's the point of having mm-hmm. sex if you don't yep. come? Right. But I think it's different if you start thinking about it as, like, a pleasure-focused thing. Like, I love massages, right. even yeah, if there's no goal. <laughs> yeah, you I know? just, like... So I'm trying to put them in the same bucket. Is there a sexuality where I just have... A- bring people over and they massage me and then leave because that's that's what i want <laughs> don't whip your dick out Just massage okay. my sore ass shoulders so this is so I feel like earlier Tiffany this knows. summer <laughs> i know i think i'm ready to find this yeah. when i moved back to new york this summer i joined this app called field which is like a sex app <gasps> nice. which arguably tinder is too but it's implicit mm-hmm. Right, Field right, is right. a sex app where your profile, you like write what types of sexual things that you want. Okay. Um, and the first time I joined it, okay, um, only going, only want someone to give me a massage and go down on me and that's it. So this happened, this guy came over within two hours, did that and then left. And it was honestly really awkward, but also kind of liberating. Like, wow, yeah. I can 
I'm gonna have a rumspringa. Like I can really do whatever I want. With Wait, this thing. a rumspringa. You you did this after our dinner. That's what I mean. With exactly. With, when we when yeah we, when, when we first we went, met. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's what oh, you did. Yeah. yeah. Is it because we were talking about dating apps during that dinner? I Possibly. think it's because I was telling Brian like, oh, I have anxiety. I feel like I can't be in a real relationship until I figure this thing out because it's like a burden to bring into a re- new relationship. I'm like trying to give like, myself no, credit for that's this. That's not true. <laughs> I'm trying to give myself credit because I feel like during dinner I was like, I just like fucking hook up with people and blah, blah, blah. And I don't care. <laughs> just kidding. Total, but I think that's a big credit. part of it. Like I never had that. I never had a promiscuous period until oh, nice. arguably... Can yeah, we please finally, just like your orgasms, can we talk about the orgasms, please? Yes, what was yes. that like? Why why did you why were they like what what was a marker that made you think in your head, this is it? Or yeah, just yeah. tell us all about the orgasm. Tell us how it felt. So again, through fields, two different people, one night stands. Um, I intentionally do not drink during these because According to this book, you're not supposed to. Okay. Um, the first person was a pleasure-based sex educator. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, he they kind of had a leg up. Um, <laughs> a leg up. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Love these puns. It was interesting because... <laughs> My leg up. Yeah. yeah. They were also... Um, they worked as a pay-for-play dom, mm. which we weren't doing, but they like... I don't know if people have a misconception about BDSM. But it's really basically a, a physical contract, mm. right? Mm. Like the dom does not have the control. The sub does. The dom is only doing what the sub allows them to do. Right. Mm. Within like a certain schema. Um, right. So before we did anything, we basically talked for like 30 minutes to an hour about what I liked and what I didn't like and what I've tried and what I would like to try. Mm. which is cool because you don't do this on a first date right um so basically i was like i'm curious about impact play like partners have spanked me in the past but they were kind of timid about it or i was really short or whatever Mm. and then also telling them about my experience with like not having that much experience with receiving oral sex Mm -hmm. and then this person was like very kindly, he was like, it's really frustrating. And I feel sorry that you've only slept with people that have a very normative, heteronormative view of sex because yeah. it's separated into foreplay and main play. Yep. Mm. Right? Everything is building to PIV, which is penis and vagina or like intercourse. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think about each phase as a different section of sex Mm -hmm. then you're basically having sex multiple times in one night whether that's giving someone a blowjob or getting head or Mm. impact play like those are all distinct chunks right so then you don't feel rushed to move on to the next step so this for me was really 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 nice because one of the primary things i struggle with is liking something and then Mm -hmm. feeling like they move on too quickly from it Oh. And, then, and then feeling insecure about asking for more. All right. Um, so now I can go to my guy friends and be like, yeah, I had sex 10 times last night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I mean, kind of an interesting way to think I... about it. Yeah. So basically, Sorry. they, I don't know, spanked me for like 30 minutes. And we didn't move on to the next. Also, keep in mind, it's not, like, incessant. There's, like, a right, rhythm right, right. to it. So it's, right. like, teasing and blah, blah, blah. But there was nothing penetrative. Okay. No fingers. 
no tongue, Whoa. no dick. Like, were they spanking your up. butt? It was kind of a mix. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But for me, I find this very meditative, or like, it helps me stay present. Yeah, yeah. I can see um, how that does. Yeah. And they also said they wouldn't move on to the next thing until I gave them a cue. So mm. there was really no pressure. I was like, oh, if we did this for the next hour, then whatever. I am steering the ship. I like Whereas that. typically mm. when someone's direct, someone else is directing, then they like shift to the next thing. Yeah. So then after I would felt like very warmed up, then they went down on me for like another 30, 40 minutes, nice. which was great. Yeah. And again, there was no penetration still. This is like an hour in. No, no fingers. And then no fingers, okay. no dick. Yeah. And then what happened? Is that when you so orgasmed? Then during this? Yes. I basically had like this, like rolling body orgasm that mm-hmm. moved from like my head down to my toes and lasted for like maybe five, what felt like five minutes. It felt mm-hmm. long. Whoa. And during this time, they basically just like, they said they backed off and just stopped touching me because my body was like having a moment. Wow. Yeah, but then afterwards, I was still kind of confused, right? Because it's not like an explosive orgasm that I'm used to seeing. So yeah. again, still trying to unpack this thing. Mm. And in Tantra, there's this type, I forget what it's called. There's this type of orgasm where your energy doesn't get released. It just moves around the body, which is why you can have prolonged orgasms in Tantra. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would describe I would describe it as energy moving around my body, not release when I have exactly. orgasms. I yeah, have yeah, like yeah. I have like such intense orgasms that like I like black out basically. I've yeah, seen, I've like, seen I like, like the universe. <laughs> like I'll see the entire universe. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I've also done this thing, this is really funny, where like kind of like what you were saying, Tiffany, like where I will like, you know, have you ever seen like a horny little dog just hump in the air? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like that. Yeah. Like, I'll do yeah. that thing where I'll like have such an intense orgasm that I'll bounce off someone's like dick or hand or wow. mouth or whatever. And then I'll just be humping the air like a little fucking Maltese. Wow, that's incredible. And then I'll and then I'll like and then yeah, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't look cool, but it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. yeah. Um But so okay, so that yeah. was the first orgasm. And then uh, honestly, you, this, oh yeah. Tell oh. us the rest of the night. Sorry, or what were you saying? Well we we then had like PIV like two, three times, but which was fun. But yeah. again, for me PIV is more like fun and you feel close and like there's it's energetic, but it's not necessarily like I think I'm very far away from having an orgasm through intercourse. Mm. Um, I've re- yeah, I've recently started yeah. having orgasms, not like maybe just a few years now, through intercourse. And it's like really, in- it, I don't know how it happened. It just came out of nowhere. Mm. It's not through the friction though. Like if you're on yeah. top and your vulva's rubbing against their like... No, universe. it's the inside... Oh. But also, this might be TMI. I'm sorry, Brian's sitting next to me. I know this is awkward. But <laughs> I, have, I have to say, it's the inside of my, like, vaginal canal. But when I was yeah. like, this is just, this is TMI. But I know a lot of people go through this and no one talks about it. But when I was a kid, I would masturbate a lot. My friend is a kindergarten teacher and she said that most kids do. So I don't feel bad about yeah, it. Yeah, it's and, yeah. But how I was doing it was, like, smushing my vaginal canal muscles yeah smushing them together and i think because of that like i like 
develop like a sensitivity or something. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Like, but most, but a lot of people don't have that. Is what I learned later. Like that's oh. not common. People with vulvas and penises should be practicing Kegels daily, because not only does it help with like the muscle there, mm-hmm. like it'll prevent incontinence when you're older, like peeing yourself when you're older, but yeah. also for men it keeps you hard longer. It's just a muscle. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Like I get aroused from doing Kegels, like that. Me too. Is how Absolutely. I no. too. Me too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When I, no, similar to you. When I was a kid, yeah. You know, in elementary school, you would do these like gym exercises just yeah, to yeah. assess your physical fitness uh-huh. so you'd be like how many jumping jacks can you do can how many push-ups can you do without fail anytime we need to do pull-ups i think because i was like activating my core so much or whatever i would always get a fucking boner yeah and so before i could do the <laughs> maximum amount of pull-ups i would have to let go always because i would be too embarrassed Damn. <laughs> yeah the key- yeah oh, <laughs> well okay so then you had p p p and v a few times yeah. But then with your second, oh. with your second big. It was literally orgasm. at that point I was like, oh, this format works. And I asked for the exact same Similar thing. format. Yes. I did. And he did the exact same thing as the first oh. guy. And I have okay. oh, yeah. a different person, the same format. Different person. But I was like, okay, I've, I've, we, this happened to me. Can we do it right. like this? And then when I tell you, we move on to this. And then, and then after that, you can do whatever you want. Right. Like I, feel great yeah and then you said your partner now you haven't had an orgasm with them yeah it's something that we've talked about and Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and i don't know why i don't know i I think it's because like i think it's because when it's the feeling selfish thing Mm. i think because i didn't know these other people i was Mm. literally like you have the permission this is what i want it's transactional. And if they don't like it, they yeah. can kind of leave. It is yeah. transactional, though. Like, yeah. we met on a sex app. Mm-hmm. Right. And then with this new person, it's different because now I'm like, is he having fun? Yeah. Does this feel good for him? Is he bored? Uh, Does oh, his yeah, job for sure. Hurt? The dynamic is so different. And it so just, different. like, kills it. It's still fun. Yeah. Right. And we have, like, we have a lot of chemistry. But it's it's a lot of pressure, you know, because it pre- prevents me from, like, advocating primarily for myself which is a thing i'm trying to like practice i honestly feel like i've only recently started having orgasms regularly and i Mm. i would say like in my early 30s right and Mm. i think a lot of it i mean i think what i'm hearing especially with your story and the research that you've done is that so much of it is psychological and and i think it really coincides for me personally the orgasms being me giving my space giving myself room to be more selfish that exactly. really coincided with having orgasms all the time and not really giving it a shit I'm, that actually i'm saying that wrong like caring about the other person right. but caring about like how we are interacting and connecting with each other not being like you're you have to come and right. like i'm gonna like do like put on a little sh- like lingerie <laughs> yeah, yeah, and act yeah. stupid exactly. <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean it's like i'm trying to like connect with this person instead of like doing this weird thing that maybe i learned from society and porn you know or, yeah like, daddy's totally. little kitten or whatever the hell you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah so i think it's, yeah it's a really psychological i think Whoa. Yeah, well i just want to i just want to take a moment and say tiffany that i am 
feeling very inspired by you right now oh, because good. I remember, you know, our our first dinner where you you shared this about yourself and um but hearing you talk about this process journey whatever you want to call it now the one thing that real that I really admire about you is that let's say these things that might normally bring up shame or this self-doubt or this questioning behavior of like why am I like this I notice that you just see these as opportunities for more practice like let's we can practice this and I think that's something that I can be better about in myself and hearing you talk about it openly in this way is very inspiring so I just want to say thanks <laughs> thanks Brian that's so sweet yeah I feel like there are good days and bad days, right? Like some days I'm like really motivated and I want to work on this and like advocate for myself. And there are other days where I'm like, I feel like less lovable mm. because I feel like I have a dysfunction, mm. you know? No. So I think it, it's, yeah, it toggles between those. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad that you said that, how you feel like you have a dysfunction because I just want to say, I, th- I, I forgot if I said the stats already, but I know we were talking about it. Like, I think it's the majority of people with vaginas or people, you know, people that identify as women, 80% can't reach orgasm uh, during peanut P PIV 80%. Um, have never had an orgasm. And I think you said something about a statistic about 30 to 50% of people that. Yeah. Yeah. Or I have the stats in front of me. So according to Kinsey, uh-huh. 30 to 50% of women have not had orgasms, period. 50%. So with a partner wow. or on their own. 30 to 50%. Oof. Wow. So Again, this is all... Keep in mind that these are like studies of contained groups of people. Yeah. But still, I think in this group there was like 10,000 women or something. Right. Um, and this might change by demographic and region, but generally it's quite high. Mm. Um, and I think when I started talking about this with friends, so many friends told me the same thing. And it was shocking because I felt like so isolated, Mm -hmm. like I was whatever, broken or something. But it's so common. And I just wish more women knew it was very, very common. Well, Um, that's, yeah, that's why I wanted to say that when you said the dysfunction thing and feeling like you can't be loved, because this is a huge issue for a lot of people. And if you, you know, if you're listening and you experience something like this, it's not, you know, that that doesn't mean anything, you know, and I really hope, and I know that people are going to listen to this and this is going to mean a lot to so many people to hear this story because so like what you were saying, it felt really isolating. You feel like you're alone and like you were failing somehow, but you're not. Yeah. 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 You're really not. Yeah. And I honestly wish like, I feel lucky that I have a group of friends like, of all gender orientations that I can talk about sex openly with, because I do think it needs to be like a wider topic of conversation. Yes. I think, especially for straight men, I feel really bad that my straight male friends are unable to talk about this with their other straight male friends, unless it's kind of like in this competitive, like locker room talk kind of way. Yeah. Rather than really trading like, yeah, you're supposed to go down on them for like 20 minutes before, you know, like actually things that you don't learn in porn. Yeah. Um, and I wish that was more acceptable. But maybe it will start to turn that way. Well, Brian is openly talking about it. You know, he's been very open about his struggles, which, you know, we have yeah. gotten a lot of DMs about that, right? Yeah. Whenever mm-hmm. Brian talks about that. And it's like, it is important. And I think it's important for, you know, like straight men to discuss this because 
you know, if they're not listening to the partners that they're having sex with, who, you know, usually if you're straight, obviously is a, a straight woman, um, you're, you're getting your information from other straight men and they're saying things like huge dicks. You got to yeah, last yeah. for five hours. You got to fucking run like that. That's the, <laughs> and ev- like to every day a woman is like, Dick size doesn't matter, but men are like, no, no, my my friend Ted said that. And it's just like, (laughs) will you you please listen to the people that you're having sex with instead of your fucking buddy boys down at the the fucking bar, right? Like, it's just like, no. And and then they're like shaming each other. Yeah. When you think about having intercourse for like 30 or 40 minutes, like that hurts. That's too long. But if you think about sex as like the sequence of a lot of other things. Yeah then it doesn't really matter like how long you're able to last or not because you're prioritizing these other things that also give a lot of pleasure. Yeah, Um, so true. But I also just want to say I have a huge penis and last really long, just for the record. Wait, you have what? <laughs> Brian said he has a huge penis and he lasts really long. Just for but the record, it's so true, <laughs> just for the record. Saying, like, okay, just so just, you know. Just so you know. <laughs> Not that it means anything. Not that it means Not anything because we're it discussing matters. it doesn't fucking matter. That's some male gaze <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, can I give a few other stats? Please. Of course. Yeah. Let them off. Okay, so Kinsey says 30 to 50 percent of women have not had orgasms. Mm. Vanessa Marin, that sex therapist, says. Mm. In their research, which also has a lot of like uh, field work, is about 20% of women, which is still high. Yeah. One in five people. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Then during PIV itself, mm-hmm. assisted, referring to like using a toy or using your hand on the clit, mm-hmm. still only 50 to 60% of women come during assisted PIV. Unassisted, mm. just orgasm dick. rates drop to 20%. 20 percent of people it's just like yeah i'm in that 20 percent everyone (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) only recently only like a few years ago i have to say um yeah yeah so this is a huge issue and no one talks about it because no one gives a fuck about fucking people with vaginas no one talks about people that the uti epidemic (laughs) that's what i call it every every everybody that has a vagina has a uti like twice a month no one gives a (laughs) shit You think the government cares about? No. Well, just the last thing. I do think it's important to change the language we use to talk about physiology. Mm. So I was going to give like a quick physiology lesson. Give us us the physiology lesson. Technically, the vulva is everything, right? The vulva is the lips, the clit, the vaginal canal, etc. The clitoris actually looks like a wishbone. It's not just the head that you see at the top of the vulva. It has legs that mm. extend down the sides of the labia. And then what sure we see is. as a G-spot is like the underside of the clit. So it's in the same location as the top, just underneath the skin. Um, oh, that's so the this, G-spot? Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't. I thought the vulva was the outside, like the labia and the vaginal canal was the inside but the vulva is the whole thing the, the vaginal canal the and thing. okay yeah. man i didn't yeah, even yeah. know i don't even this know what, what i mean they don't really yeah. teach you this and it's really sad um and i think the other thing is like in porn <laughs> we're taught that like squirting leg shaking being wet is you're either horny or you're having an orgasm and that can be the case but it's also not true Mm. So just because your partner's wet doesn't necessarily mean they're horny. They could also just have a healthy vulva, which is naturally wet. Um, 
So you're trying to wait for engorgement, which means like the clit head will get hard. It's oh. the same. It started off as the same group of cells as the penis in the yeah. womb. Yeah. Damn. I remember reading about that and then looking at like clits, like like I googled it to like see it in my head and and uh, penises, and then I was like, oh, I can see it. If you look at you, if you get if you break it down like that, you can right. see how the clit is just like a mini. Uh, penis. penis. Yeah, it exactly. looks just yeah, like yeah. a like a uncircumcised penis. It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like even people with vulvas who take tea, their clit just gets bigger. Yeah. Mm. So it'll become like a, I don't know an inch or something, but it's all the same grouping of cells. It's just spread out across right. the vulva. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow. So Holy much cow. information about. But however, yeah, I think an important note to reiterate from this episode Mm -hmm. and tiffany said it so succinctly is that it's an ongoing process yeah yeah for sure and that's a good metaphor for vulva orgasms it's not a we won we like penises we did it for you know people with vulvas the sex is just like rolling. It's down. It's like up and down. It's orgasmic. It's explosive. Sometimes, sometimes it's quiet. It just keeps going forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Well, so. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing so much about yourself and your Thanks orgasm journey. Me. But before we yeah. let you go, what is something that you're proud of? I think that in the past, like. I needed a lot of external validation mm. and whatever accolades and this school and this thing. And I'm just kind of proud that I'm getting more internal validation through these various practices. Mm. Like mindfulness is really important. Being present, feeling really embodied at times. Hopefully I can extend this like into the future, but I think this is kind of the biggest takeaway I've learned from like all of these different experiments and practices that I've done. Um, yeah, but also feeling like it's ongoing. There's not really an end, which is something I'm trying to get more comfortable with too. Yeah. What a great lesson. What a great way to look at life. And also what a great thing to be proud of. That's really hard, especially, you know, this is not very, it's not only to direct it at Asians, but for a lot of Asian people were raised, you know, to put external validation above our own internal validation and like to Absolutely. unlearn that is very hard and I'm very proud of you Tiffany yeah, thanks. <laughs> thank you so much I'm proud of you too um, well I guess we can't really we don't want anyone to look at <laughs> we're going to ask you for your social media but you don't want any of that well for our listeners if you have any questions or if you want to comment or leave feedback regarding this episode you can DM us on the Feeling Asian Podcast Instagram or you can email us at feelingasianpodcast at gmail.com and we will be sure to forward your messages to Tiffany Tran. Is that okay with yeah, you? please. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. great. And then you can just reply to us. Yeah. Or you can just set up a fake email, Tiffany Tran at Tiffany Tran talks orgs dot org. Um... All right. What about you, Brian? Where can we, where can our uh, listeners find you? You guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And what about you, Young Me? YM Mayor. TikTok is Young Me Mayor. Follow our podcast at Feeling Asian Podcast on Instagram. And um, 
what else are we on? TikTok. We're on everything. And also we have a YouTube channel, Feeling Asian Podcast. And our Patreon, if you really like our podcast, it it would mean so much to us. We did buy an Asa Akira Fleshlight and it really put us in the hole. We spent all our (laughs) Patreon money for our live show and we gave it to one of our wonderful uh audience members oh, who yeah. won a game yeah that's the kind of stuff that you get to experience if you come to the live show so right. please donate to our patreon so Wait, we can buy we more gifts it. for you <laughs> <laughs> uh patreon.com slash feeling asian okay everyone bye bye, bye.